Hi. You are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. And we're going to talk about some... Gnarly crack. <laughs> yeah? Plumber's crack. No. Powdered crack? Okay. No. Crack's not powder. It's a rock. True. Before it becomes a rock, it is powder, though. And that is cocaine. <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, murders involving... Cocaine and crack. Crack? Wait, crack. Crack? Cocaine. Crackheads? Crack? Crack and crackheads? Something like that. Yeah. We're all on crack. No. Fuck your couch. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said the end and I was like, ah, no. <laughs> no, definitely. Our white privilege card will not allow that one. I did not mean it. It's just the quote <laughs> that went through my head. I'm so sorry. Um... So, today was rough. It's a Monday. And it was a rough Monday. Yep, and we're not going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about what happened to me, because it was fucking crazy. Oh, with your crackheads? Yeah. Crackhead dog? It's very fitting. Crackhead crack dog. Oh. So, I... There's a dog, and it was on crack. <sighs> End of story. Crackhead dog. Crackin' dog. <laughs> cat dog. Cat Crackin dog. Crackin' dog. Crackin' dog. I'm the world and a little crack dog. Um, no. So we have to walk on people's properties in our job because we look at trees. And I walked on this person's property today and the guy was very friendly, albeit very strung out on something, but very friendly. Did not, probably, did not make me feel uncomfortable. So I was like, okay, cool. Perked my truck there. Went out, started, you know, patrolling up ahead because they had a huge property. Their driveway was at the end, and my field partner left on a two-hour lunch, and I had to go back to the truck to get my battery pack because my phone was dying, and that's how I input data. And when I walked back onto the property, crackhead Renner's crackhead brother was home, and their dog attacked me. Crackhead dog attacked her. Fucking attacked me. Crackhead dog. It bit me. Crackhead dog. Better. It was really scary. And then all that shit happened, and the guy eventually, like, got the dog off of me somehow, and I regained my composure, and drove down and parked, because I was doing some stuff on my phone, and a guy from the county drove up, because he thought we were the company that was patrolling his property, which we're not, so that's why he walked up to my truck, and I asked him, I was like, is that dog, you know, on that property usually running around on the road, because they told me that sometimes the dog gets out and it runs along the road, and he just looks at me and he goes, that property? And I go, yeah. He goes, I've worked for the county for like 15 years. If I'm up here, I don't go anywhere near that property. You probably shouldn't either. And I got really scared and I was like, okay, can I ask why? And he goes, well, there was a murder over a drug deal that happened on that property like probably 12 years ago. And then I had like a deja vu flashback to the renter that morning telling me that he had been in jail for the last 10 years and talking about how there was a raid on his property. And I was like, oh. So yeah, that was my Monday. Crackhead. Dog. Cracking dog. <laughs> Thank you. Crazy Monday. Yeah. 
Yeah, our weekend was pretty boring, but my Monday made up for it. That was, and I just like limped back to my truck like, I don't fucking get paid enough to get attacked by fucking dogs. Yeah. So we celebrated Valentine's Day today because I thought her gift would be better. You got me a weighted blanket. It's amazing. I kind of want to go grab it. No, 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 no. Stop. (laughs) No. If you have anxiety, get you a weighted blanket because they're amazing. Yes, do that. Okay, you want to hear my background about crack? Is it fucking whack? Crack is fucking wiggity wiggity whack. Did you know that was actually a slogan in 1985? I thought Whitney Houston said it in an interview. I don't know, there was a big ass memorial about, or not memorial. Memorial. Uh, what is it called when they draw big ass paintings? Memorial, not memorial. God damn it. Mural. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that one. Yes, big mural. About crack being whack? <laughs> yeah, it was some. Yeah, something like that because it was about the crack epidemic in New York in like the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk very briefly about that. Oh well, I am too. Crack cocaine, ladies and gentlemen, also known simply as crack or rock, is a freebase form of cocaine that can be smoked. It can also be injected. Crack offers a short but intense high and is incredibly addictive. No fucking shit. Crack first saw widespread use as a recreational drug in primarily poor communities in New York City, Philly, Baltimore, D.C., L.A., and Miami in 1984. That's when it started. The crack epidemic. Its availability and widespread use is often referred to as the crack epidemic. There you go. Oh, there it is. FYI. For your information is what FYI sounds for. (laughs) Just FYI. Good job. (laughs) The good slash like purer form of crack resembles a hard plastic crystalline form and it should be super brittle. The more you know. If you're going to smoke crack, at least smoke good crack. Purer form? <laughs> Purer and Noggin. I'll touch it with my bad fin. Where did that come from? It's Finding Nemo. That's the quote from Finding Nemo? Yeah, when he goes to swim up to the boat and he touches the bottom of the he boat. He says, I'm going to touch the boat. He doesn't say, I'm going to yeah. touch it with my good fin. <laughs> no, he, he says it with my bad fin. I'm going to touch it with my fin. This is like, my good <laughs> hand? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> He says something like that. Do not, I don't think that's what he says. Guys made me ink. Uh, okay. Just like a lot of other drugs, it can be easily cut or adulterated. One of the most common things about about crack. One of the most common things to cut crack with um, is something called levamisole. I probably didn't say that right. L e v a m i s o l e. Have you ever heard of that drug? Because I had not. It's just a numbing agent, isn't it? It's nope. like lidocaine. Nope. This is a medication to treat parasitic worm infections. It has a similar consistency. That's fucking disgusting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wiki also gave me a literal step-by-step to making crack, pictures included. So, you guessed it. I'm walking us through how to make a crack rock today. It's actually like one step. I didn't realize making crack was that easy. Shouldn't just cocaine boiled and put like baking soda or something like that in it and that's it? So several supplies are needed when making crack. (laughs) Baking soda, a metal spoon, a tea candle, and a cigarette lighter. 
The baking soda is simply combined with the cocaine and water over a tea light using the spoon, and voila, crack! Okay. Literally, that's it. Yep. Wow. Um, now, let's get to the effects. Because it's all in the wrist. It's an E-40 song. Making crack is all in the wrist? Yeah, you gotta start. They make it on hot pans. I'm... Are you sure he wasn't talking about fingering a chick? Because that sounds like he's talking about no. fingering a chick. <laughs> 100% sure that he's talking about making, taking cocaine and making crack because he can make more. Of That's it. way less of a cool thing to write a song about. Not that he's writing a, a song about the other thing is cool, but... He's a trap song person. So he has to love I crack? don't know rap. I don't know. Okay. It's from the Bay Area. Okay. Okay. I'm white. I don't know these things. <laughs> You pretend like you know. Okay, so effects can include but are not limited to euphoria, confidence, appetite loss, insomnia, increased energy, and paranoia. Whoa. Lots of things. A crack high generally lasts only five to ten minutes, which I read that and I was like, what the fuck is the point? What's the point of smoking salvia? What's the point of doing shrimps? Well, shrooms are fun. That's what's the point of drink shrooms and acid. They're fun. Salvia is not fun. I imagine that crack cocaine is not fun. Crack is great. Maybe for like that five minutes, it's great. I don't know. That's a waste of money. It's like six bucks a gram. Well, it's going to turn into a lot more than six dollars when you're smoking it every five to ten minutes. At least cocaine lasts like 15 to 20, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Still bad. It's Anyways. Stupid. It's stupid. Oh, it's all bad. Drugs are bad. Not all of them. Okay. So, after the five to ten minutes, uh, the user's dopamine levels plummet, which leaves them feeling blue, obviously. There are many physiological effects as well. Constricted blood vessels, dilated pupils, increased body temperature, heart rate, and blood pressure. You can also have anxiety, restlessness, and irritability. I have all of those, and I've never smoked crack. In rare instances, sudden death can occur on the first use of cocaine, which is, it's generally related to cardiac arrest, seizures, or uh, respiratory arrest. Oh. Can you imagine that? You take your first hit of crack cocaine, you just die. No. So I never do crack cocaine. That's crazy. Crack is whap. Just a few other things. Crack is cut with two real quick because it's scary. Milk powder, glucose, caffeine, lidocaine, which is what you were talking about, and amphetamine, so like meth. You can also develop something called crack lung. Symptoms include fever, coughing up blood, and difficulty breathing. Uh, There's also something called delusional parasitosis, which this is like, okay, remember in, what is it? Is it Tomb Raider or the mummy? I think it's the mummy where all those insects are crawling underneath that guy's skin. The mummy. It's this, basically. You literally hallucinate parasites or insects crawling on or even underneath your skin. People experiencing this might scratch themselves to the point of serious skin damage. So, in conclusion, crack is fucking wiggity whack. Does that, does that come from the worm infection thing? Do you think worms think they have insects all over them? What? I don't know. Why do they cut it with worm shit? What are you saying right now? This worm stuff that you said on the first page. What does that have to do with them feeling like they have insects on them? Because it's a worm. They got worms growing in them. A worm's not an insect. The fuck it's not. What's an insect then? What's a worm? 
Is it a, a mammal? A worm is a blob. It's a blob. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not an insect. It's a blob. <laughs> it's not an insect. It's a worm. I'm pretty sure. That has to be a different class. I don't know what classifies. Don't insects insect. have to have a certain amount of legs? I'm pretty sure you're right, but I thought that was more or less for like arachnid. Lieutenant Worm, you got no legs. <laughs> I'm Anyways, so we're, dumb. We're both dumb. Uh, okay. So that means you're going to have to write us and let us know how dumb we are. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't encourage the two people that listen to us. Oh, also, before we get like really started, I wanted to say thank you to Ruth. I don't know if you want me to say your last name, so I'm not going to. But Ruth, you know who you are. You shared our posts and messaged us, and we're super sweet. And you were one of our first fans we had that we didn't know personally. So we love you. Thank you for mm-hmm. your support. Thanks. Does she have a case? Do you have a case? I do. You have a case? That was just your background? Yeah. Damn it. What? Okay. This is whack. You got too many notes. So, I did the perfect guy for this. Oh, perfect. You didn't do well, yeah. Joseph Roy Metheny. Metheny is his last Metheny. name? Metheny. Well, Bethany, Metheny, you sound great. His name's Joseph. It's Bethany now. It's not Bethany. It's Bethany, Metheny. He's a big, fat, disgusting dude, or he was. Metheny the Bethany. No. Yes. I did most of my research from an article off of Miami Ghost Chronicles and a little bit off Ranker. They had some info on him. Um, so I guess I'll get into it. The piece of shit of the week is Joseph Roy Metheny. Not much is known about his early life. I couldn't really find much besides the few things that I'm going to touch on. Most killers we know, we know all about their childhood you know, what they like to eat for breakfast, fucking all the finite details. This guy, we don't really know much. <coughs> I'm so sorry. That was right into the microphone. I'm terrible. Jumped out of me. He is said to be born in 1955 and was a resident of the Baltimore, Maryland area. He stated he was a very neglectful, neglected child, which I would agree with him. I think he was. His father passed away from a car accident when he was only six. Metheny's, I'm just going to call him Mr. Meth from now on. (laughs) Mr. Meth's mother then had to pick up the slack financially, working double shifts outside the home because she had to. Um, This left Mr. Meth and his five siblings to essentially fend for themselves. The following, following quote, wow. The following quote (laughs) came from his mother. He just kept drifting further and further away. I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs. It's a sad, sad story. So, like, things aren't going great right off the start for this guy. Mr. Meth went by the ironic nickname of Tiny. He was, eventually he grew into a man standing at 6'1", and he was a big old fatty. Dude liked to eat. I'll post pictures of him on the Facebook and Instagram page, but, like. So he didn't have a meth problem. He did. Oh, he did. I'll get into it. Nice. Yeah. He never really got his life together. He spent most of his time looking for his next fix. He frequented bars, and that's where he spent, you know, all of his paycheck. He lived in homeless encampments around South Baltimore, and, you know, he spent most of his earnings on crack cocaine, the rest on alcohol or heroin. So he was not doing good. 
Oddly enough, he was able to hold down a steady job as a forklift driver and a truck driver at different points in his life. So he, I think he literally kept it together to have a job so he could spend all of his money on drugs. And mm-hmm. because he was so fucked up on drugs, he didn't mind kind of just being a drifter and not really having a place to call home a lot yeah. of the time. It's sad. His coworkers described him as a well-spoken, well-mannered, and intelligent person. Fast forward to 1994. Mr. Meth was living with his also crack-addicted girlfriend and their six-year-old son. At the time, he was working as a truck driver, and he spent a lot of time away from their trailer and on the road in South Baltimore. He came home one day to find their belongings, his girlfriend and son, all gone. He learned his girlfriend had ran off with her new boyfriend, six-year-old in tow, to live under a bridge in South Baltimore as well. Mr. Meth's girlfriend was heavily addicted to drugs, and CPS did have to step in and take custody of the child because they are living under a fucking bridge. Upon learning this information about six months after the girlfriend actually left, Mr. Meth grabbed an axe and headed for the bridge to confront his ex and her boyfriend. The following is a Mr. Meth quote regarding the situation. They were not there, but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's where I left them, except they were dead from being chopped up. So that's great. There was a trial surrounding this case and his involvement in 1995, but long story short, he got acquitted. There was one other person involved. They basically couldn't really prove who exactly did the murder, but he definitely did the murder, and he admitted to them later. He stated after that murder, he went back to that bridge and lured an unknown woman who was a sex worker um, and an acquaintance of his girlfriend. He attempted to pump information out of her about his ex's whereabouts, and when she had no knowledge or didn't want to tell him, he raped her and killed her. He weighed her body down in a nearby river. He also claimed another unknown sex worker in the same area on the same day suffered the same exact fate. And his hands... Wait, what? Oh. Good notes. My bad. (laughs) I wrote at instead of and. So, you know, second girl did that too. And during the second murder of that day, and again, these are all his claims... There was a fisherman nearby on the river who saw what Mr. Meth was doing back there. So Mr. Meth was like, you've seen too much, and killed him as well, and said that he threw all three of their bodies weighted down in the river. When he confessed to these three crimes to police later on, they could not locate the bodies or charge Mr. Meth with the crimes. It was a long time later, either the bodies deteriorated and floated away, or he was just lying for, I don't know why, but it happens sometimes. Yep. So, all three of those are unconfirmed, but he did freely admit to them. Now it's 1995, and this is where shit really starts to amp up. It's bad. Mr. Meth lured two sex workers to his trailer for paid sex, These are separate events, but they happen around the same time. Their names were Kimberly Spicer and Kathy, I know I'm saying this wrong, but Magaziner. That's exactly what it looks like. It's literally magazine with an R. So I hope I'm not saying her name wrong. 
As soon as they entered his trailer, he strangled them, dismembered them, and partially cannibalized both of their remains. He buried Kathy at his place of work, eventually returning to Kathy's body six months later to retrieve her skull <coughs> so he could have sex with it and then put it in a box and throw it away in the trash. Oh my god. Which that was never recovered either. Spicer's body was also disposed of at a place of business for um, Mr. Meth under some wooden pallets and nobody noticed until after he was apprehended and he told them about it and then they went out to that factory and lifted up some pallets and they're like, oh yeah, definitely a chopped up body under here. Yeah. I don't know how that can happen, but it did. What he did with their flesh, though, is the most disturbing part of this entire fucking story. I will let Mr. Meth explain what comes next and exactly what he did. I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls, then put it in the freezer. I opened up a little barbecue beef stand. I had real good roast beef and pulled pork sandwiches. They were very good. The human body tastes very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. Oh, my God. So his killing spree and barbecue stand came to an end in 1996 when he had lured Rita Kemper, who was also a prostitute, sorry, sex worker, to his trailer. I wrote it down because that's what it said in the article. And I'm sorry, did not mean to use that word. Rita received a severe beating from Methany, but somehow managed to escape. She then naturally alerted authorities that she got fucking attacked by a crazy person. Our good old Mr. Meth was taken into custody, and he sang like a canary. At his trial, he said this. The words, I'm sorry, will never come out, for they would be a lie. I am more than willing to give up my life for what I have done. To have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. I just enjoyed it. He initially received the death penalty, but that sentence was converted to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Few things here. Literally sold human remains at a barbecue stand. You know, the little ones you see on the side of the road underneath an easy up kind of thing? To we don't even know how many people. Oh my God. Second thing, he literally said it's worth going to hell because I love fucking killing sex workers and selling their remains at my barbecue stand. I just enjoyed it. I have no comment. This guy's a piece of shit. That's why I called him Mr. Meth for the entire thing. Because he doesn't even deserve... He deserves nothing. I won't even call you your name. You are disgusting. So that was my kind of short, but uh, real fucked up case involving crack cocaine, which it definitely did. Mm-hmm. That was... Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting case. Way to find it. Yeah. Good job. Yep. So Amza talks about... That's literally what his notes say. The violent crime Actually, it says Amza talks about... Yeah, that's what I just said. Amza talks about the violent crime wave in the late 80s and early 90s. Where's that accent coming from? I don't know. We're really just going to be talking about like the spike of the murders and that it is a fact that by 93... Murder was at the highest level ever recorded. And just as important, why did it subside? Why do you think? Don't read my notes. 
You're reading my notes, so never mind. I can't ask you that question. So I'm going to ask the Ow. listeners the question. All two of you. Yeah, all two of these. So uh, when I was doing all my research, there's one popular theory on, like, the link between the surge and downfall of homicide to, you know, our homicides link to crack cocaine. Ned, the logic is pretty fucking legit, I think. So. Wait, you've really never done crack? No. No. I mean, yes, but no. What? It was probably in the Molly, and, or not the Molly, but ecstasy and shit, yeah. Crack? I mean. I mean, crack, meth, yeah, but crack? Crack is just cocaine mixed down. It's just, that's all But it there's is. a chemical process that happens when you cook it. So crack, it is different than cocaine. Anyways, I'm sure that there is some, some shit in there, yes. I mean, I've done f- quite a bit of ecstasy myself, so probably yes. lots of meth in it. Don't know about crack. Uh, yeah, there's probably, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, in poor urban areas, the drug actually provided one of few lucrative incomes in those neighborhoods. So, dealers obviously resorted to bloodshed to defend their business, their territory, their clients type deal. While users turned to crime to feed their addiction. So that's Uh, kind of, you know, a hand-in-hand thing there. And then came the war on crime and the fucking go-go-lucky economy of the Clinton years. The war on crime or the war on drugs? War on crime. War on drugs was Nixon, which was way before this. This You're right, and we've already talked about that on a previous episode. Whoops. Uh, This was Clinton era. (laughs) Anyways, uh, which, that that pretty much dried up the crack trade and reduced the murders along with it, so that was... How? Black markets are always going to exist. Yeah, but they cracked down on all the dealers and certain things like that, so it wasn't easy to get, and then it just went right back to being... So it just wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. It still existed, okay. Yeah, it still existed. It was just harder to get. But also, I read probably like two or three. I wrote down there, I read two like research articles or papers that actually were like extremely identical, but just worded differently. Extremely identical. Isn't yeah. that like a double negative? Yes, it is. <laughs> extremely. Uh, they both pretty much said that, like, the drug market, uh... <laughs> Wade is broken! <laughs> Talk words? Anyways, that the, <laughs> like, the drug market dynamic alone didn't fully explain why the, like, explosion of crack was so deadly, nor why murders fell in, like, the mid-90s. Instead, they pretty much like they argued that the boom in production of handguns made possession easier during the crack eras or the crack years until new restrictions on firearms got put in place. Uh, so, but the whole thing was back then, everybody was saying, you know, when fuck yeah, when the gun market was high and there were surges in production, they always were followed by surges and killings because it was just way easier for all these unlicensed gun to hit the street type deal. Well, if you're buying it, it would be licensed. But that's what they're, they, 
were associating with like a surgeon production so then all the other guns were just got pushed out and at this point they weren't fucking melting guns down or anything they're trying to make more and more and more you know what i'm saying i get what you're saying yeah but at, at the same time both of them to me seemed kind of legit so whichever one you think is better or do your own fucking research and stuff about it that'd be great okay are you going to do that? Talking not, to you. I'm not going to research it. You should. Miss, not I right worked now. at Her Bowers. I sold guns. So? I know a lot about them. My case was a little bit... Short? It was kind of short, but at the same time when I was like doing research for it, that I covered it all. Yeah, dig? Cocaine-induced delirium, huh? Yes. I'm Can excited. Can you stop? Tell me about this cocaine-induced anyway. delirium. Uh, Abel Ochoa, uh, he's been on death row for 17 years. I bet he deserves it. Yes. Uh, his appeal was shut down, or he was shut down in his appeal when he tried to prove that uh, his <laughs> mitigating circumstances <laughs> weren't in life without parole rather Wait. than death sentence. What? Wait. Favorite word is mitigate. Yes, it is. Did you work that in there or was it really in the article? That was really in the article. Okay. That was really what he he was trying to appeal, saying that there's mitigating uh, circumstances that warranted life without parole rather than his death sentence that he got. Like what? Uh, pretty much that he argued that he was in a cocaine-induced delirium oh, when he walked into his living room one Sunday morning in August of 2002 and shot his entire family. Oh, shit. Yes, he walked in the living room, shot and killed his wife, uh, Cecilia, their seven-year-old and nine-month-old daughters, his father-in-law, and sister-in-law. Holy shit. second sister-in-law was also shot, but she managed to run to safety. Holy shit. Yes. How many people is that? Three, four, five? Yes. Fuck, dude. Yes. So, Abel's life had been spiraling down for the past two years because of his crack cocaine habit. That'll do it. The jury was told that for like 10 days before the shootings, he had uh, pretty much stopped. Like, he, he went cold turkey from the drug. Okay. But on that morning, that Sunday morning... As the family returned from church, oh, no. Abel actually bought $10 with the crack. He oh, smoked no. it in the backyard. Oh, no. Then got a loaded 9 mil handgun from the bedroom and opened fire on his family in the living room. Did he say he was, like, hallucinating a different situation that was happening? Or he just, like, crack, maybe didn't it? Can't explain it? Just yeah, crack. he said he just snapped and he was just on coke and that he wouldn't have done it if he wasn't. But, mm. He fled the house and was apprehended 30 minutes later by police, reportedly confessed immediately. Yeah, no shit. Yes. The prosecution actually argued that the shootings were brought on by Abel's anger and frustration. They, uh, they said that there's like a long grudge between him and his wife because he found out that she had a child before their marriage and she had hid the fact from him for so long i'm confused 
Yeah. It was like an adult child, and he just didn't know about the adult. How do you hide a child? Yeah, no, she didn't have the kid with her. She had another a kid with somebody else and never told him about it. But where'd the kid go? With dad. She just peaced out? Yeah. What a bitch. Uh, oh, and- she's dead. <laughs> Whoops. Continue, please continue. Uh, Okay. Uh, He's going to die by lethal injection, and he is currently in prison at Huntsville. Uh, Ochoa Abel will be the second inmate to be executed this year, as in 2020, in Texas, and the third in the United States. On January 5th in Texas, John Gardner, 64... January 15th in Texas, John Gardner, 64, was executed for the 2005 murder of his estranged wife in her home. And on January 29th in Georgia, Donnie Cleveland, Lance, 66, was executed for the 1997 murders of his ex-wife and her boyfriend. Wait, why does that matter? It doesn't. It was just in the article. Those are the people that are being executed this year. But it says in Georgia, and aren't they being executed in Texas? And you already said... Texas, Georgia, and Texas. In the United States. Oh, in California, in the gotcha. United States. No, I thought you were talking about Texas. Gotcha. Oh. Anyways, that's my story. Sorry it's so short, but it's Monday and we're, I'm done. I would not want that story to be any longer. That was really no, bad. it was pretty bad. It was really bad. And like bad. I said, I was going through the research. I was like, what can I add into this? I was like, I fucking got it all. So <laughs> he really had no, he was. He, he literally, his defense was that crack. he was in a delirium of crack cocaine. But normally people who say they're in a delirium say they're like, I hallucinated that it, what was my story that the guy thought God told him that if he killed six Nazis that he could have his soul back or whatever yeah. yeah so i was actually doing research and i told you about this story uh there's a story up in mariposa county which is north of us we actually were working in there um but there was a gentleman that he was high on methamphetamines and like high high on methamphetamines and he hopped in his truck and i can't remember if like the cops are already chasing him or if he just he, he was he getting thought. well no i think he was like getting pulled over for like speeding or something or the cops were already chasing them one of the two but he pulled like he didn't pull over on the side of the road he just turned his car horizontal of the lane stopped the car in the lane of traffic on the 49 and got out and the cop got out of the car and was telling him blah blah, blah get back in the car and he opened fire and shot the cop straight in the face. Oh, I remember this. And got into a gun battle with the cops. They finally sh- killed him. But I guess the entire time he was like, like screaming or something like that, that you know he was on a war path because Jesus sent him on him. And if you're in his way, you're going down because he was on a fucking whatever from Jesus. And yeah, he was higher than shit on fucking meth. And I couldn't remember if it was crack cocaine or it was meth. Oh, I was, was trying meth. to. It was. No, it, it was. was. I did the research. It was meth. Why'd you do the research on that? Because I wanted to see what the story was, if it was crack, so I could use it or not for our podcast that podcast. four people listen to. And they listen to it like By the way, all I, the time. I tried so hard to find some kind of article about this crack. murder. No. This murder that happened on that property I was on today and I couldn't find anything. Anyways, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Gmail, call us, email us. 
We are Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime on Facebook and Instagram. A little asterisk for the I and bullshit. Booze, BS, and True Crime at gmail.com. Booze, BS, A-N-D, True Crime at gmail.com. Send us stories. I will say them on air. Send me nice things. Because I had a really hard day. Please and thank you. That's it. Okay, bye. Later.